this thing on? Yeah, it is. Sweet. Hi, guys. Thanks, Brennan. Sweet. I cannot tell you how glad I am that y'all are here. I did not get to come to the last summer Oasis. So, like, I'm missing out. Last time I was at Oasis was Send Out, and that was way too long ago. So I have been waiting for so long, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Um, I get the absolute honor to take on part two of our series this summer, Pastor's Picks. Um, if that freaks you out because we're in a series, don't worry. They don't correlate. Brennan preached last month and crushed it, talking about what it means to find the extraordinary in the ordinary. So if you didn't watch that one, go back, watch it on YouTube. He crushed it, and it's super, super timely for this summer. So if we haven't met before, my name is Dylan Peterson. I am the young adult and creative resident pastor here at Grace Point. And before we get in tonight, you probably know me a little bit. I used to be the Oasis intern. I was up on stage maybe every week giving you all the announcements. I'm on the podcast sometimes, but you probably don't know me that well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about myself before I get too far into tonight. So I'm originally from the Black Hills. Um, I grew up in Rapid City. And so like my number one thing to do, like if I'm hanging out with friends, we're going for a drive. Like I don't care what we're doing. We're grabbing some ice cream. We're putting on some music and we're going for a drive through the hills. Like that is just like the best pastime ever. We'll go for like three hours, which is like ridiculous and like not cost effective, especially these days. But it is so much fun. And thinking that, you know, I really enjoy driving, you think that I would remember some of it. But there's this one road on, uh, it's called Catron Boulevard in Rapid City. And I drive it almost like every day when I'm back home. I drive it to work. I drive it to my friend's house. Like, I'm on it all the time. And it's this long highway, about 15, 20 minutes long maybe. And most of the times when I get on this Catron Boulevard, I get on it. And then like a minute later, I'm already off it. And I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. I didn't drive that fast. Now, I maybe was going a little bit over the speed limit, but not horribly over the speed limit. And so I started to, to wonder, like, what the heck is going on? Why am I forgetting that I'm driving? Um, and so I started to wrestle with this a little bit. And especially while I was back home, I was back home in, in Rapid for the past month, hence why I miss, missed the last Oasis. Um, and I knew that I was preaching, and I didn't yet know what I was preaching on. And so I kind of wrestled with, like, I feel like this ha is happening way too often for me to just kind of blow past it. Like, you should remember that you drive. Like, you should remember how to drive. Um, and, and so I was like, Dude, what is going on with this? Why am I forgetting that I'm driving? And so I, I, I wrestled with it, and I realized I wasn't being present with life, that this was actually not only happening on the road, but, like, in my life. Now, maybe you've probably experienced this before where you forget that you drive, that you're like, hold up, I was here, and now, like, a second later, I'm already across the state. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon called highway hypnosis. And it actually helped me understand what was happening with my life. Like I said, I, I wasn't being present with what was happening in life. And so I've been learning over this past year, I've struggled with this for a long time, that I haven't been present in life the way I, I should be. So over this past year, I've been learning what it means to go from absence to presence. And so that's what we get to tackle tonight. Now, you see, I'm an ideas guy. It's literally part of my job title that I'm the creative resident pastor. 
I'm the guy that's supposed to think of these new ideas. And so, like, let me tell you, when I live in the future, like, I live in the future. Like, I am always thinking about what's next, what's new, what's cool. Like, what can we do that's fun, that's creative? And, you know, maybe that you felt the same way, that you've, you're living in the, in the future. Maybe even for some of you, you're living back in the past. But for some reason that you're forgetting, like, you're right now, that, that maybe... Flesh this out with me. Maybe you're, you're here, here, but you don't remember like what happened last week. Maybe you've I realized this with life that like, you know, I just graduated high school, but oh wait, that was four years ago. Like, ah, time flies. Um, here's the deal. We're young adults. We're starting to grasp really how fast time flies. Like now we go home and like, ah, oh, dang it, I'm old, man. Like, this ain't going as fun as it used to. Um, Maybe you're even realizing it with who you are. That I was this person, but now I'm this person. And how I got here, I have no idea. You see, there's this thing that I think happens that it goes way beyond you and me. That this isn't just an an us problem, because we live in South Dakota and the the roads are massive, and so we can easily forget. But this is a generational problem for all of us as young adults, that we live in this age of social media where we're playing, you know, high score with life. And that through that, we always worry about what's best, what's going to get us the highest score. Because we can make it through our work days, our school, our social events just fine. Like we can hit the cruise control button and set it and forget it. Like we're going to survive. Like, I've done work plenty of times before. I can do it again, and I don't have to think about it. You see, that's okay. It works. You make it through alive. But that pace of life is not at all sustainable. That this pace of life of of constantly chasing what is to come or constantly being stuck in the past isn't sustainable. Because guess what? You're you're never going to get to either. You can't go back in the past, and tomorrow is always going to become tomorrow, because what I'm focused on tomorrow, guess what? That then becomes today. I was worried about yesterday, but now I'm also focused on tomorrow, because what was tomorrow became today, but I'm not worried about today. This sucks. It's hard. Like, we're missing out on the best years of our life because we're not focused on being present. See, my main point for all of this is that as, as young adults, we've become fixed on what was and what is, And we're not at all focused on what is right in front of us. That this full-time, like, cruise control has opened us up into becoming full-time dreamers and warriors. And like I said, it's not sustainable. And so our lack of presence is taken away from our relationship with people and, most importantly, our relationship with God. And so we need tonight to move from absence to presence. And we're going to do that through Exodus 16. So if you want to flip there with me. We're going to follow along with the story of the Israelites. Now the Israelites, I believe, need to learn a little bit about absence to presence. Before I I read, I want to pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed this truth through us. Father, I pray that tonight, would you just open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes to see what you have through this word. 
We thank you, we love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verses one through three, it says this, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You see, to, to look at the detail, what was just said is like absolutely ridiculous. That for the Israelites to say, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt is like absolutely outrageous. That we need to understand that this if only proposition is nuts for them. Israel, when they were in Egypt, were in slavery. They are on their way to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a good and spacious land, which God said he would just give to them. It was nothing that they had to do. There was nothing that like, they could have done to take over this land. It was going to be given to them. And they are two and a half months into this trip, and they're like, you know what? I don't think it's worth it anymore. Screw the milk and honey. Screw the, the, the promised land. We want to go back to slavery. Like, hold up. That, like, that ain't, that's not what I think, you know, people in their right mind would think. But the Israelites lived in Egypt for quite a while. They had royal permission to live there. The Pharaoh at the time let them live peacefully among the Egyptians. But then a new Pharaoh came in. And he was not so sure about the Israelites. So he said, screw the uh, royal agreement for you guys to live here. I think you actually want to take us over. Because at the time, the Israelites were a couple million people. Like, they had a few of them. And so they were like, actually, we're going to put you guys into slavery because you guys, we don't want you to take us over. And so the Israelites are put into slavery. And the Exodus tells the story of how the Israelites worked ruthlessly in Egypt. That most of the work that they did, they made bricks. They take clay, they take straw, put them together, made bricks all day. They had a certain number that they had to make each and every day. And because of this, their lives were like hard, bitter, and cruel. Like not fun. I can imagine that is not something you want to wake up every day and like, I'm so excited to go to work and make some bricks. Like that is not ever my desire when I wake up in the morning. But then Pharaoh's like, actually, let's, let's pump it up a notch. Um, I want you guys to make the same quota of bricks, but now you have to go get your own clay and your own straw. Same time of day, but you got to do a little bit more. And so Israel was flooded with misery and suffering. They were left with a broken spirit. They weren't able to worship their God how they wanted to. For, for them to actually say this, that if only... They have to believe a massive lie. See, anytime we say, if only blank, then blank, there's usually a lie tucked underneath. And so when the Israelites say this, it shows what they're believing. And right now what they're believing is that God wasn't God. That God had promised the promised land. That he said, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, a good and spacious land, and you can do nothing to get it. I'm going to give it over to you. You see, for them to say, nah, I'm, I'm checked out on the promised land. I want to go back to slavery. Is to say, actually, God, I don't believe you can get us there. I don't believe you're going to hand us over to us, and I don't believe it's flowing with milk and honey, and I don't believe it's good and spacious. 
So they're like, nah, I'm not in it for the wait for what you have promised. They, they weren't willing to be content. That's what we see in this entire passage, their lack of contentment. That they weren't willing to be content knowing that God was going to take them there and give it to them. Yeah, there was a journey in between, but they were literally out of slavery. They weren't slaves anymore. Like they were just kind of roaming around the desert. So they, they had to believe that God was taking them to a better place, but they didn't. They didn't trust that God was God. You see, also, another lie that they believed is that where they were in Egypt was just good enough. That they actually said this in Numbers 16, a little later on in the story of the Israelites. A group of Israelites came up to Moses and Aaron, two brothers that led the Israelites at the time. And they, they said this, listen to this. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, and now you want to lord it over us. Like, talk about a punch to the gut. Like, they just said, yeah, that, that promised land? No. We want to go back to slavery because that place was flowing with milk and honey. Like, they have got it so twisted in their mind, and I'm sure, like, Moses and Aaron are like, you guys, like, come on. So, like, they are so lost. They're believing in these lies. They're asking this, these if-only questions that aren't leading them anywhere. So let me bring this back to today. That maybe you're in a similar spot of asking this if-only. Maybe, maybe you're the one saying, you know, if only I had the girl or the guy. If I was in that relationship, then I would be content. Or maybe if I had the corner office, if I had just gotten that promotion, if I got the job title, then I would be content. Or maybe it's, if I just had enough money to pay the bills this month, then I would be content. Fill in the blank. If only blank, then I would be content. I got a question for you. Do you truly believe that in the depth of your soul, you can confidently say that Jesus is enough for you? But this is a question some friends and I have, have wrestled with this year. And let me tell you, it's a hard question. Like, this is not an easy, oh, yeah, totally. No, like, this, like, takes some work to answer. It's not just a simple yes, although we wish it would be. To say that Jesus is enough, you need to remember that the God that you serve is all that you will ever need. That he's literally infinite. The God that created everything that, is here, the heavens, the earth, the universe. He created it all. He takes care of it all. And you don't trust him with tomorrow? That doesn't seem right. See, when I think of this question, is Jesus enough? I always look back to the story of Job. Now Job lost everything in like one night. Family gone, friends gone, like all of his possessions gone. Dude had like a bag to wear, and the dirt. And that was it. That's all he had. And throughout the story of Job, it's pretty much just an argument of his friends telling him just to curse God and die. And Job saying, actually, I know that my God is worthy, that his plan is better, and that he is faithful through it all, and that he is more than enough. So we need to remember that he is always enough. You see, another thing that, that is, is pulling us into absence 
is that we live in an instant world, and because of that, we're horrible at waiting. Like, I don't have to tell you that, like, if I Google John 3.16, in 0.6 seconds, I'm getting 42 million results. Like, I've got plenty of scrolling time after that. Or, like, think of a coffee shop or anywhere that you go shopping. As soon as you get in line, what's the first thing you're doing? You're whipping out your phone because you can't wait. You see, the Israelites would end up waiting 40 years before they actually got to the promised land. That the route that they took to get from Egypt to the promised land is the weirdest route ever. There's for sure a straight shot they could have took, but they didn't because that's not the way that God led them. He led them because he was teaching them something in the waiting. And I believe he was teaching them exactly this, that he is more than enough. And in in this being bad at waiting, we need to embrace the slowness of it. That when I was back in Rapid for the past month, I was like, go, go, go all the time. Like, I hardly got a break. I was physically, mentally exhausted like crazy. And then I come back to Brookings, and then I have, like, the slowest pace of life. I have, like, hardly anything to do. You know, Brookings in the summer, it's extremely slow. And so that was really hard. I was like, I was just, like, doing everything. Like, 24 hours in the day is not enough. And now 24 hours in the day is too long. But something that I've done to try and counteract this that I, of course, recommend that you all do, is go to a coffee shop. Order a cup of coffee, whatever you like. Sit down at a table and bring nothing with you. Sit down at a table with a cup of coffee and yourself. Don't pull out a book. Don't pull out your phone. Don't pull out your computer. Sit there until you finish your coffee. Then tell me how good you are at waiting. It's a great time. People are going to look at you weird, I'm going to be honest. And be like, What's this dude's just sitting here doing nothing. But that's the point, that we need to embrace the slowness because through it, it's an opportunity for God to teach us something. Also, we need to be a people that linger. I know that's a weird word, but um, we get really caught up in the pace of life. And in the pace, we say, like, I ain't got time for that. Like, literally anything. And especially when it comes to people. And so as Christians, when I say that we need to be a people that linger, I'm talking about if you're in Walmart and you're like browsing down the cookie aisle looking for your next snack and you see someone that you know and you, instead of just hitting them with the, hey, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? See you later. You know, something like that. Stop. Slow down. Have that conversation. Be present with them. Because that shows a whole, mu- whole bunch more love than it does, hey, good to see you. See you later. And like not talk to them for like five months later. We need to be a people that linger. We need to be better at waiting. Because in that, God can teach us that he is enough. The next thing we need to do is we need to just focus on being present today. I know that sounds really simple. But we can easily be present elsewhere. Like, we're, we're like physical. Like, we're people that we are stuck here. But I can easily think of yesterday, and I can easily think of tomorrow and be present there and not here. So in, in verse 4, of Exodus 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Um, let me tell you some good news. You're not God. Like, thank the Lord, hallelujah, that you're not God. Um, thank the Lord, I'm not God, because if we were, we'd screw it up quicker than something really fast. 
Um, but you see, like, like I just said, like we're created for today. Like we're like physical, like meat and bones right here, right now. Like there's nothing we can do. We can't be in two places at once. We have limits. We can only be right here. And that's for a reason. We were designed that way. We need to trust that God will provide in the present. That although I'm right here, I know he's taking care of everything else. And because he's taking care of everything else, I can be right here. You see, anytime I think about this, Jesus, of course, what a guy. He says the exact same thing. Matthew 6, 34, I know you've heard it before. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough troubles, or tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, I want you to look back for a second. Remember that one time that you didn't think you were going to make it through? Whatever it was. Maybe it was like you lost your job. Maybe it was that relationship that fell apart. Whatever it was, and you're like, I'm not making it through. Like, this is it. I'm checked out. It was good knowing y'all. Let me tell you some good news. You're here right now. You're sitting in these seats. You're alive. You're breathing. You made it through. God has brought you through. If you're still in the midst of it, God is bringing you through it. You see, if God is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he's brought you this far, why would he ever stop now? Like, he's not going to change. He's perfect in nature. There's no need for him to change. You see, I've been wrestling and really thinking of God in, in this as the great constant. That as Christians, we have this really cool thing that we have consistency that I don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow and thinking that, that Jesus is going to say, no, I don't think I'm going to love you anymore. I don't have to wake up and worry about tomorrow and think that Jesus is going to say, actually, I think I'm going to love somewhere else. And like, I, I don't think I'm going to take care of your sin. Like, I'm going to let you pay that debt. I don't have to worry about him saying that. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the great constant. He's going to be there tomorrow. He's going to be the same, and he's going to be perfect. One of the other things that we need to do in order to move to presence is we need to set boundaries. Now, I know some people hate that word, but we need to set boundaries to protect your presence. In in, uh, verses 17 and 18, it says this, The Israelites did as they were told, some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. And everyone gathered just as much as they needed. You see, God set limits for them. The manna only lasted one day. The bread he provided was there in the morning, gone by the evening. They only had one chance every single day to go get what they needed. And through that, made the Israelites realize that they had to depend on him every single day for food. That if they took more, if they took enough bread for today and tomorrow, stuff for tomorrow wasn't going to make it. That it would go bad by the time they made it there. The same thing goes with with the 613 Levitical laws, the Old Testament law. It's it's not meant to restrict us. It's meant to keep us in what real life is supposed to look like. When God created life, he said, I want it to look like this, and he outlined it with the Levitical law. 
again, it also shows us that we're not enough. You're not enough. I'm not enough. Nobody is enough. There's only one man who ever filled the law, who followed every single law to its perfection, and that is Jesus Christ. That he, being God, and only God, perfect, can follow all 613. We can't do it because it points us back that he can. See, when I was back home in Rapid, I knew that I was going to write this sermon. I knew this is what I was going to talk about. But I actually had to set boundaries for myself. That when I knew I was going to write this, I was like, I could have just gotten after it. And like, oh yeah, I got the right thing I want to say. Like, like I feel like this is what God wants to speak. And I didn't let myself do that. Because I knew if I focused on this, I wasn't going to be focused on the people I was around home and back home in Rapid. That, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I was so excited to write this. But I needed to be where I was when I was back home. That I couldn't give my full attention to this. And I saw the benefits of it. Let me tell you a story. That I have, like, the dopest job ever back home in Rapid. Um, I give zipline tours. And so for, like, every day back home in Rapid, for two hours, um, I get a group of up to ten people. and I just take them out in the Black Hills and we go ziplining and I get to like know the people and we get to ask a whole bunch of questions, tell a bunch of whole, st- uh, tell a whole bunch of stories. I get to tell a whole, a whole bunch of terrible dad jokes. Um, and it's like the best thing ever. But there's this one tour that I gave that, um, it was three people. It, it was a father, um, a son, and a daughter. And, and the kid, uh, the son, his name's Jay. He's eight years old. He's the coolest kid ever. Um, the entire time on our tour, Jay and I talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and every single cartoon you could ever think of. And you see, in that moment, I could have easily written off that tour. That my workday is sitting out in the blazing sun all day, 90 to 100 degrees, probably getting sunburnt, um, doing a whole bunch of physical labor, hiking 10 miles a day, climbing like 40 flights of stairs. Like, it's, it's fun, but like that part kind of sucks. You get thirsty, you get hungry. And so I could have easily hit that cruise control. Just kind of did what I needed to, hurry up and got out of it so I could take a break. But I didn't. I was focused on being present. And through that, I got to love those three really well. It was an awesome time. It was so so good because I was present. Now there's this thing, I know you all have heard of it, it's called FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, It's something our generation is king of, like we take the cake on that one easily. Um, And I think it's because that we're so afraid of the future because we're not in control of it, but because we're afraid of not controlling the future, We're not focused on what's happening right now. That we want to control tomorrow so badly that we're missing out literally on today. That we are so worried about what's going to happen that that we can't even be here. We can't even have conversation. We can't be people. See, there's some awesome news that I want to tell you. That I know who holds tomorrow 
And because of that, I can trust him with it because he's already there. He's already got it taken care of. His name's Jesus, the great guy. You see, because of our fear of missing out, missing out on right now. Like I said, these are like everyone's glory years. That this is like the, supposed to be the best time of your life. And we're missing out on it. So we're worried about tomorrow. We're worried about who am I going to marry? What house on the cul-de-sac am I going to have? How many kids are we going to have? What are their names going to be? Like stuff that isn't going to matter, honestly. Not right now. But I need to get really real with y'all real quick. There's this thing about tomorrow. That Jesus, while he was here on earth doing ministry, he promised a lot. Tomorrow was never one of them. That I don't want to get super dark and deep and say, hey, you're going to die tomorrow. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But I need you to recognize that tomorrow isn't promised. That the fact that you're sitting right here, alive, breathing, is a miracle and should be seen nothing less. You see, we all know life is short. I don't have to explain that to you. We all know that our time here is limited and we've got to make the most of it. So why would we ever, in our right mind, worry about something that isn't going to come, that may not come, and something that isn't going to matter right now? See, there are two things that matter in the future and in the past. In the past is the cross. That on that cross, Jesus Christ died, paid the debt that we couldn't pay. Three days later, he rose from the grave, claiming victory over death so that we could have eternal life. And in the future, the one thing that matters is Jesus coming back. That he will come back one day to take us home into an eternal paradise and life with him. See, because of that, because I'm rooted in that truth, if tomorrow doesn't come, it's okay. I know who holds the rest of eternity. Tomorrow doesn't seem like such a big of a deal when you have eternity in perspective. To sum it up, I need you to know this. That God desperately wants you to be present. See, we serve an ever-present God. He's in every single moment. He's right here, right now. He wants to be right here, right now with you. That he, he can be everywhere else, but we can only be right here. And so if we're right here, we get to dwell with him. The people that you're with, people that you live alongside, they need you to be present. You see, sometimes ministry is not just sharing the gospel, but it's loving well those who you are surrounded by. That yes, we need those gospel conversations, but also loving someone well is the greatest testimony that we have that we love because he first loved us. So in order to be present, Jesus needs to be enough. You need to set boundaries to protect your presence. Focus on today and be present. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you that you are enough. Lord, would you Help us recognize that. Would you continue to let us wrestle with that question? Would you continue to prove that you 
are enough, God. We know that you are. Father, we thank you for being here in this moment. We thank you that you are faithful. Lord, we ask that as we go from this place, would you just protect our presence? Would you help us to be present in each and every moment so we can stay connected with you and we can love those that we are surrounded by? Father, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. And it's all in Jesus' name that I pray.